Welcome to the Australian Hiker Podcast, Australia's longest-running hiking podcast, downloaded over half a million times in over 145 countries and providing you with an Australian perspective on all things hiking. We're your hosts, Tim and Jill Savage. In today's episode, episode 188, we catch up with a number of industry manufacturers and suppliers about equipment that has come out over the last year, what we can look forward to in the next 12 months, and the state of the industry given both the bushfires and COVID and the impact that's had. Now, since 2017, Australian Hiker has been attending these trade shows uh, and talking to suppliers and manufacturers directly. Uh, And this has given us a chance to not only build relationships, but also to touch and feel the equipment in a hands-on situation. In both 2020 and 2021, these trade shows were cancelled due to COVID, so we found ourselves doing these interviews remotely. And over the past month or so, we've been catching up with these manufacturers and suppliers just to find out what's going on. Before we get into today's episode, if you'd like to help support Australian Hiker and this podcast, there are a couple of ways that you can help us out. Firstly, by subscribing on your podcast host of choice so that each episode is available as soon as it's published. And if you have the opportunity, leave us a five-star review. Another way you can support us is go to the Australian Hiker website at www.australianhiker.com.au and click on the supporters page and buy us a coffee. You can do a one-off donation or become a monthly supporter. All donations are greatly appreciated and help us to continue producing this podcast and blog. Now let's get on to today's episode. In our next interview, we're going to be talking to Dave Casey from Outdoor Agencies, and Dave's the brand manager for a number of products, including uh, probably the main one, uh, which is Osprey. So, Dave, thanks for taking the time to have a chat with us. No problems, Tim. How are you going? Good, good. All right, so tell us what news we have in relation to Osprey packs, uh, in relation to packs that have been released or and also product that we can look forward to over the next 12 months or so. Yeah, thanks. Um, I guess you probably would have seen there's been a, a couple of packs that have been updated or launched over the last couple of months um, since the sort of winter's coming. So I guess the the key ones, which everyone's probably seen, or if not used in the past or you are using now, have been the Aether and Aerial families, the Talon Tempests, which are a smaller day hiking sort of style backpack, and the Daylights, which are a sort of a bit of a, a go-to jack-of-all-trades, smaller day hiking backpack. So, yeah, this is probably three key styles which have had big updates for this winter. Yeah. So... The Aether and Aerial packs are probably a, a, a well-known one. So the Aether being the male version and the Aerial being the female version of that pack. What's so good about that range of packs? Why does it keep on being released and keep on being upgraded? Yeah, good question. I guess the Aether and the Aerial are kind of the workhorses of the Osprey range. Um, I assume most people would know about the Atmos Sonoras, which are an awesome pack to carry up to about that sort of 14, 16 kilos worth of gear. Um, some people can do 12 days with it. Some people would say it's only a four-day walk style backpack. Um, and then there's Exos and Asia's and other styles, even lighter. But for, I guess, that bushwalker or hiker or backpacker, whatever you want to call them, who are needing or wanting a bag to do multi-multi-days, sort of a, I don't know, 14 days in the southwest of Tassie or 
long stretches in Central Australia and so forth and want to carry or need to carry a lot of equipment with them. The Athen Aerial is kind of a workhorse backpack which you can carry in, in inverted commas comfortably up to sort of 27, 30 kilos plus. So sort of just that big classic heavy-duty bushwalking bags. And what sort of capacity on those on those packs? Yeah, so I guess for the Aether, which is the men's ones, um, the Aether Plus, which I'll probably talk about that a bit more, there's an, I guess I'll, there's an Aether Plus, which is sort of a fully featured all the bells and whistles, and then a bit more of a standard Aether and standard Aerial, which has a few of the bells and whistles trimmed off. Um, but they basically, for the men's Aether Plus, comes from a big boy 100, ki- so 100 litres, an 85, a 70, and a 60. And for the ladies, there's a 60-litre, a 70-litre, and an 85, which is still really quite a large pack for most women. So there's sort of a large volume through to a more of a, a smaller-ish volume as well, about 60 litres. And I think looking from um, uh, the contact we had before we had with this interview that um, they've sort of almost superseded the Zenith and the Zena packs that were around for, for a while? Yeah, exactly. So they sort of have moulded two families into one. Um, the Zenithina, which was traditionally that large volume backpack, um, and the Aetheral AG, which had been around as well for a number of years. Um, they both sort of got squashed into sort of two families still, and, but come under the Aetheral um, umbrella, which makes it a little bit easier for people to understand which packs are which ones and so forth. Um, once you start having a, a million different pack families, it becomes a bit confusing, even for someone like myself who works with Osprey all the time. I was still getting confused sometimes of which one's which. So, yeah, it makes it more simple. And what's so, apart, so apart from being the, the big big workhorses, the big heavy carries potentially, what else is so good about the Aether and the Aerials? Yeah, so I guess the Aether and Aerial Plus, um, like I said, they're the fully featured bags. Um, probably something that a lot of people who were looking at the older Aether Aerial AG from the last few years. Um, and if they had have done some research online and read a blog review and so forth that had come out of the US, um, they'd always mentioned the daily day pack, which is a removable hood, which can convert into a day pack. So I know if you're doing the overland and you want to dump your pack and bag a peak, you can dump your pack and turn that um, hood into a little day pack, um, chuck your water bottle and jumper and your sandwich and scoot off the top of the hill without having to worry about carrying another little something or rather to carry things in. Um, and that was something that was only available in the US, um, quite frustratingly. Um, but good news is that's available globally now. So what you find in Australia is the same bags that you find in the US and so forth. Um, so that's probably the, because the main thing apart from that um, really good heavy load carrying ha- updated harness as well. So it's probably the key features. So what's what's the hardest like on these new packs? I mean, I know I'm used to the Osprey packs that have that trampoline style uh, harness that sort of lifts the. It means you're not having the pack sitting directly on your back and getting sweaty. Is that is that what's continued with these packs? It's a little bit different. So that AG sort of style, I think Osprey sort of realised over the years of testing and so forth that once you sort of get to that sort of sixteen to eighteen max, probably probably more friendly sixteen kilos you start to max out how comfortable that sort of style of harness can perform for all body shapes. Um, sometimes we did find that in the old Aether and Aerial AG, that sometimes a smaller petite lady, it was a little bit trickier to find a, the perfect pack fit. So for those larger volume 
and larger weight packs who've gone back to the airscape frame sheet which is a bit more of a classic sort of back content back contact sorry um it still has some ventilated airflow um, with some channels and so forth um, but it has a more classic sort of style of back panel um, and frame sheet and the frame sheet's also injection molded which means there's a little bit less wastage with having to cut a frame sheet out of foam so it's a little bit better for the environment that way plus also being injection molded it means you can add um, I guess structure where you want structure for flexibility so if you want flexibility in certain I guess accesses you can have flexibility there but at the same time you can in, while injection molding you can have it stiffer in sections as well so it tends to help load the pack a bit, little bit more efficiently for those sort of like I said that 20 kilos and above weights. Okay so then on to the Talon and the Tempest. Now, they're a, um, that's a, uh, I'm familiar with the older model of this one, uh, which I've, uh, I, I, I suppose for me it's a, it's a large day pack or a, a pack that I tend to use where I'm just doing sort of one night or maybe two nights and want something with a lo- not a lot of size. So yep. what's, what's happened with the new, new model of these two packs? Yeah, I guess for the Talon Tempest, they still run from a smaller bum bag, 6-litre, all the way through to the largest sort of 44, 36-litre. Um, depending on women's or men's. So it's sort of a bag you could have um, used for a really short day walk or, like I said, a light overnighter. And for most people looking at the bags, they probably, again, wouldn't notice a huge difference. They're very, very similar in their shape and design in previous seasons. Um, it's a bit of a classic bag, which really doesn't need a huge amount of change because sort of it's been a, a very good, very good backpack. Um, probably the main difference is um, the transition the fabric to a post-consumer recycled fabric, um, which basically is plastic bottles um, used and then transformed back into fabric. So it's leaving a more sustainable footprint on the environment. Um, and again, for the majority of the Talon Tempests, they are using that injection molded frame sheet as well, which helps with that load capacity and helping a little bit with the, I guess, the support on those bags. Probably the main difference is there. But like I said, looking at the bags, probably in the shop, you wouldn't notice a huge difference just looking at them between this year's and last year's. So the, um, what sort of load capacity for both the Talon and the Tempest, just, uh, just approximately? Yeah, good question. Um, it does vary a little bit depending on the volume. So the larger volumes, the sort of the 40s and 34s, um, or 44, 36, depends on it's men's and women's, you're looking at sort of 7 to 11 kilos um, load range. And then for the smaller literages, 30 and below down to 9 or 11 litres, you're looking at a sort of between 5 and 8 kilos of load range. So sort of fits in there, and it sort of depends a little bit on the, the size of the bag. The larger volume bags have a bit more of an ex- frame external frame to it instead of just a simple frame sheet um but yeah that's sort of between 11 and 5 depending on the volume okay and the last one we're going to talk about is the daylight packs so this is not a range that i'm very familiar with so what are are the daylight packs so the daylights they've been in the osprey range uh for for many 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 years um they're sort of one of the i guess go-to bags for uh, just a Jack of all trades bag. Um, it can be used for a light day hiking bag around the suburbs or around the national park. And if you're more urban or traveling, if you just want to pop in the car and go off for a walk um, or back in the good old days when you can jump on a plane and travel comfortably overseas. Um, so the daylight's always been there 
in a sort of simple panel loader. Um, we've always had a couple of different volumes of that um, size-wise. Um, and it's sort of a bag, which is sort of just a bit of a jack of all trades. Um, again, the updates for these, for most people, wouldn't really notice a huge amount. But again, the key difference for the newer bags is going to that recycled post-consumer fabric uh, for the backpack, as well as um, Blue Sign approved fabrics and um, PFC free DWRs, which are across all our bags now as well. So it's just bringing every few years some updates to change some colours and in this case, make it a more sustainable bag as well. Okay. Um, uh, this is the things that have already sort of been onto the market now. Is, is Osprey got anything new and exciting that you're allowed to talk about over the, the next 12 months or so? Yeah, I guess most people would look at the pack wall and see there's packs which are a few years older than other bags without as many updates. So I guess there's some exciting bags which will have some updates, which I guess at the moment is probably still a little bit of a secret squirrel talk. Um, but there's definitely updates along the way from the more ultralight hiking bags through to some of the classic overnight hiking bags and so forth. Um for us in Australia, we've been a little bit more cautious with how many new travel updates there are. Um, I guess like we all know at the moment, sitting here in May 2021, I, it's unlikely for the next six to 12 months that we'll be able to jump on a plane and head overseas for international travel um, to most countries. So we're sort of playing it cautious there and not releasing anything new in the travel sort of scope. Um, we'll probably save that all for 2022 when things hopefully cross the fingers, become a little bit more open and we can travel overseas towards the end of next year or mid next year. Um, so that's probably when we'll see some more travel updates as well um, toward, towards the end of 22. Um, in Australia, at least, some other countries might release a little bit earlier because travel's been a little bit more um, easy to come by, be that good or bad. Um, so, yeah, there's definitely some good, exciting updates. And probably the most exciting thing in the way of sustainability is that by next year, um, over 60 to 70% of the fabrics that are used in the backpacks will all be recycled, post-consumer recycled again, um, and continuing that through the range. Um, so that's exciting. And there's some new ski bags and so forth coming out as well, um, which will be good for the guys and girls who like to get in the snow. Um, again, this our summer, unlikely to see much international ski travel, but next year there's going to be some good ski bags for backcountry and in resort skiing. So well, just while we're on the topic of talking about travel, I mean, how, how have you seen the last roughly year since we last talked to you? I mean, I know um, people are sort of hitting the domestic travel at the moment, but I don't know, is that translating into hiking and outdoors or is it uh, it's pretty much business as usual at the moment? Um, it's probably business better than usual in some ways. Um, anything with a travel and name is a little bit um, on the slow side. Um, I think that's sort of a bag for domestic travel, like a, I guess a doubles and those sort of things are still very popular. I can sort of pop that in the boot of the car and, or the back of the wagon and off you go um, for a trip or you can still now, I guess, start to fly a bit more comfortably domestically as well. So those sort of style of travel bags um, are still going really quite well and some good use of those. Um, but anything to do with overnight hiking, day hiking, riding a mountain bike or trail running um, is going very, very well. I think this time last year when people were sort of, I would say, not quite stuck, but we're at least we're having to stay a little bit closer to home. Um, and I think a lot of people 
reignited their love of the outdoors by not being able to go to you know, indoor climbing gyms or to the fitness gym and so forth, but getting out and going to more suburban national parks or coastal walks or rural regional national parks and so forth. So they've been able to really get out there and um, we've seen some really good amount of people getting outside um, and, and new hikers as well, which is the most exciting thing. Um, and hopefully they can be converted into long-term bushwalkers and hikers um, now after the last 12 months of doing some sort of more closer hiking to home. So I think that's sort of a very exciting in the way that I think it's going to be a new generation of bushwalkers and mountain bikers and trail runners who hopefully will engage themselves in the outdoors even more in the future. Yeah, no, I think that certainly does seem to be the, be the pattern when we went, went away over Easter. Uh, we were just amazed at the amount of, in this case it was car camping, but we were amazed yep. at the number of people that are out and about. Uh, and, yeah, and certainly there are a lot of people getting out bush because it's a bit more remote. They're not having to go into the cities and they're, they're keeping away from the tourist traps. And uh, yeah. I think it's it, hopefully, as you say, hopefully it's a trend that will keep on going. Yeah, exactly. I think hopefully it goes away from being a trend and just becomes a new norm of getting outside. Um, I've got friends who work in mountain biking or cycling stores and so forth, and they're still as busy as, if not ever, they've been still even sort of 12 months on since um, sort of COVID has really sort of kicked in this time last year. Um, but they've been amazingly busy over the last 12 months, um, so they've been yeah, really positive there. So I think it's something that will be yeah, really good for the, the community overall all right that's great so we've been talking to dave casey from outdoor agencies uh, and in particular about osprey packs thanks very much for your time no problems thank you tim In our next interview, we catch up with John Pote from Wilderness Wear. Wilderness Wear is a well-known Australian supplier of outdoor clothing. All right, so John, thanks for taking the time to talk with Australian Hiker. Yeah, looking forward to it, Tim. Okay, so now what new product have you recently released? Well, over, say, the last three months, uh, our, our fusion range, the, the mix of wool, merino and polypropylene ha has really had a huge growth spurt um, in both socks and apparel. And uh, we had a, uh, a switch hoodie uh, top that was released in, in men's and women's. So it's a, a, a base layer, uh, but with an integrated uh, hood neck warmer system and uh, we just haven't been able to keep up with production for the demand. So why why the mixed product, the uh, the mixture of merino and polypropylene? What's what's so good about that? Well, I think it's it's the I think we've spoken about it before, Tim. The um, we we call it the blending, the best natural fibre being the merino, uh, with the best man made fibre being polypropylene. And polypropylene's been on the market for for decades um but it's it's the the best properties of both of these yarns when knitted together or blended together just gives a, a perfect um climate system whether it's next next to skin on the body or on the feet um so it's uh quick dry uh naturally antimicrobial and uh it's a, a marriage made in heaven and it's we've, we've had it on the market now 
in in socks and and active wear and base layers for for three years, and it's stood the test of time with with multiple independent reviews saying you know the best best performing base layer that that I've ever worn um, from a number of people. And and you've said it's a it's a hoodie. Why why a hoodie? What's so that seems a bit different than what's been on the market for uh, over the last few years. Yeah, look, it it has. I suppose we looked at when when people are out multi day um, hiking, um, or whether they're skiing, um, snowboarding. There's always you've got a finite amount of space in your backpack, um, and and you're just looking at trying to find out. Oh, well, where's my neck warmer? Where's my, my skull cap or my hood? Um, where when it's an integrated system, you've got it on your body, and you can either have it on or off, um, and it's not you're not going to lose it. Um, so it's it's just a a simple solution um, to sometimes where you're losing one of those items, and it just makes a, a day out hiking or on the slopes not that pleasant. And I'm guessing if it's got you know an integrated hood, and you're probably looking at either very cold weather or or very windy weather is, is where it's aimed at. Uh, cor- correct. It really is for cold weather environments. Um, it's it's warmth without the weight. So as much as it's a next to skin layer, it, it provides the same warmth as a as a mid layer. Okay. All right. So that's the switch hoodie. So what else have we got new to the market? Well, so it's moving forward into twenty twenty two. We've been experimenting with uh, doing a, a laminate on a wool fabric um, and we think we've 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 now got it nailed and so we'll be introducing a, a merino active jacket uh, where the outer layer will be a, a, a heavyweight 85% merino 15% um, recycled polyamide um, that with with the inner layer having a membrane and being a super fine merino, um, so we're just looking at a an urban style active jacket um, that will, you know, be weather resistant. All right, so that's what's been new to the market fairly recently and for, and, and upcoming into early next year. So, but tell us a bit about where the long term goal with wilderness wear is. What's what new and exciting product can we look forward to in the coming year? Well, I suppose moving forward as a brand, we're looking to focus on and improving our our ethical manufacturing processes and our ecological and, and, and the sustainable inputs. And, and we've really looked at this, especially over this last COVID year, where the consumer is, is, is looking at more detail about where things are made and what they're made of. Um, and, and so we've put some things in place um, and to improve and and then looking at introducing some some new inputs moving into 2022 so we, we're actually calling it innovation plus sustainability equals sustainovation um, bit corny but <laughs> um, we, we just think that sets us apart these are hard things to do easy to say but to actually start to put them into the business Come, comes at a financial cost but it just i think it, it helps sets us apart apart from the australian made with the australian content wilderness where as a brand we have certified and traceable non-mules 
Tasmanian yarn. And we've had that in place for three or four years now. And that's through our um, Australian Merino uh, exports, which are our wool broker down in Tasmania. So hand on heart, we, we know that supply chain. It's traceable and it's certified. Um, we also have what we call it EXP, and that's ex-pollution. And that stands for the, the avoidance of pollutants during, say, the anti-felting treatment, which is the removal of flaky layers of wool. And, and this EXP process enables the wool to remain machine washable without the use of chlorine. We're also ethically clothing Australia accredited, which every year you, we are audited to make sure that um, the wilderness wear staff are all working in, in great conditions and, and being paid the correct amount of pay. But of course, we're Australian owned and made and have been for 30 years. Um, and what we've introduced over the last six months, we're looking to eliminate single-use plastics and we're replacing all of our, our plastic bags with 100% biodegradable poly bags. So they're things that are currently in place and we're also looking, moving forward, looking at things that aren't front of centre when you're marketing and it's, it's animal welfare. So we know the farms that we deal with, the wool growers down in Tasmania, they don't have sheepdogs. They've just the sheep have been bred over generations. That it, it's just the wool grower, the farmer that controls them. Um, so it, it's a small thing, but but it, but it matters. Um, and we're also looking to introduce a range of organic wools, especially into our sock range. And this would be certified by GOTS, which is a Global Organic Textile Standards certification. Um, another thing we're looking at is also changing the polyamides that we use, um, which is the, the nylon yarns. And we're looking to use biodegradable nylon yarns, so introducing them into our into our sock ranges. Um, and finally, we're also looking to increase um, the range of our cool merino, which is in, in socks and, and active wear, which is a, a blended um, merino tensile yarn. So it's basically looking at a pure natural animal fibre blended with, with uh, lyocell fibres, which are derived from sustainably managed eucalyptus plantations. So it's it's this sust sustaination that that's where we're looking to, to move the brand to the next level. So apart from the feel good of Australian made, we're also looking at the sustainability of the the inputs that we're using. Okay, that's 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 good, and it seems to be a direction that the industry in general is heading. That's sort of uh, it's hard to come up with new things. A sock, a sock is basically a sock, and you might change the materials, but changing the manufacturing process is probably a harder a harder thing to do than changing yarn colours and uh, and anything else. So it's 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 interesting to see the way the industry is heading. Yeah, and, and look, it's an industry for the outdoors where we're all embracing the wonderful outdoors. And um, so I think it's it's just, it's, it's, a, it's a transition that brands need to be going into um, to, to look after the planet and the outdoors. So yeah, we're, we're doing our little bit. Now, moving away from uh, from equipment in, uh, and talking about the outdoor industry in general, I mean, certainly the last 
15 to 18 months has been challenging with both the fires in late 2019, early 2020, and then COVID really all of 2020 and and into this year at the moment. What's How's the industry been from your perspective and where do you see it heading in the future? Well, I think it, it certainly opened up the um, having stock. And if you had stock, uh, that that helped. I mean, it was very unknown for when, when COVID hit about, okay, well, here, what's happening with supply chains all the way through to the end user and consumers and, and people out of work and will they be looking to to buy and because people can't travel and with the lockdown so it was it was unknown uh but i think the brands that 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 backed themselves and had stock on hand certainly survived better than those that that held back forward orders um and and that's where we found we we just happened to be well because we're all under one roof and and we we certainly had quite a good supply of raw materials that kept the whole manufacturing process going. Um, not saying we didn't run out of raw materials, but but we, we back ourselves early. So we, we were lucky enough to have a warehouse full of raw materials and finished goods that helps us through most of the difficult 12 months for a lot of retailers and, and, and people in general. I must admit, we, uh, I, I spent, uh, and my wife Jill spent six months working from home last year. We were lucky enough that our jobs allowed us to do that. Uh, but I think we we were getting weekly deliveries from online stores and, and, and retailers that sold online. It was, uh, uh, I don't think we'd slow down our spending. We'd just change the way we were doing it. Yes, look, definitely, and and I know the the the, re- the, the independent retailers that um, stock our brand that you know they most of them have moved into more than bricks and mortar. They are online, um, so they still had as much as customers weren't walking into the shop. Their their online sales were it certainly did increase, and 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 our online sales certainly have almost doubled over the last 12 months um just yes because as you said you know consumers were spending they were just how they were spending was um was different virtual rather than uh face-to-face okay and where do you where do you see the industry the outdoor industry heading in the next sort of 12 months uh, 18 months 36 months sort of thing well, look, I think the ones the ones that have survived through all of the difficulties of the last two years, um, they're they're good businesses and 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 they will will keep going. And and I think people are, you know, with with international travel stopped at the moment, you know, people are looking to travel locally. Um, so I think the demand will still be there for, in, especially in the outdoors with people ex- exploring their backyard rather than overseas. Um, the industry in general, it's a shame that the, the national trade show was cancelled for a second year, um, but I think it will come back next year um, when hopefully most of the country's um, vaccinated and, 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 and travel is, is easier for, for people. So I think the industry is pretty strong yeah, and resilient. That's good. 
It's good. Okay, so now, John, before we we, uh, we started this interview, you were talking about uh, listening to a previous episode we did, uh, and that was uh, our, our retailers missing the mark, um, where we were lamented the lack of colour choice uh, in some outdoor gear ranges. Tell us a bit about uh, how uh, wilderness wear is a bit different in that respect. Well, we're certainly we're not for lack of choice in colours. Um, I did a quick count of um, our ranges and in our active wear range we have 11 different colour options in our base layer range ranges we have 14 different colour options across our height socks we have 29 different colour options and in our active socks we have 42 different colour options black is included but we also offer a lot of colour alternatives Oh, that's good. It's good to hear. Actually, it's sort of. Uh, I must admit, it's uh, a lot of hikers do like the bland colours, but I certainly Jill and I are not not those sort of hikers. We we like uh, some bit of colour, and I in particular like Larry colours. So it's it's good to hear that at least uh, we've got an Australian company and an Australian producer giving us a bit of colour range. So that's great. Okay, so we've been talking with John Pote from Wilderness Wear. John, thanks very much for your time. All right, thanks, Tim. Okay, in this uh, next interview, we're talking with Ross Smith from Cedar Summit Distribution. Cedar Summit's one of those brands that probably is represented in just about every outdoor store in Australia, and it's a name that many people know. So thanks for taking the time to talk to us, Ross. Pleasure, Tim. Thank you very much for having me. Okay, now... In relation to the last 12 months, last year we talked to uh, another one of your colleagues, um, uh, but what's been happening gear-wise in the last 12 months and I suppose more recently, what's come to the market? So I think, um, uh, yeah, I think you spoke to, to Ryan last year and what was what was pretty key for us um, during, of course, 2020, which is when, of course, you're designing a lot of product that's going to land this year is that we didn't want to stop. So we still had designers working um, from home when there were various lockdowns on and still managed to bring some new product to market this year that we're in now, so in, in 2021. Um, we, we had quite a few exciting launches um, and so you know, tents is probably one that a lot of people have seen. We're really excited to bring those to the market, albeit we've had um, very limited access to the products. Um, that's been an exciting development from the brand um, additionally, though, and I think one that Ryan talked about, we, we introduced a, a really um, nice new winter sleeping mat, um, the Etherlite, which has been a product that's been selling really well for us uh, in an extreme version. So something really insulated, great for winter conditions. And as I speak now, and we we're just talking about the weather, um, it's a mat that people are um, definitely uh, using a lot in Australia as we're, we're now well into winter here. I must admit, I've... I've tested out the, uh, the Cedar Summit uh, uh, Etherlite range, both the, the standard one and the extreme, and they are very, very comfortable mats, let alone being warm mats. So it's, uh, it's mm. not surprising that they've been doing well. Absolutely. Um, now, in relation to the tents, you've got a, a new range of tents, which I suppose even though Cedar Summit has dabbled in that area over the past few years, it's, it's, this, this is probably the first serious foray into the tent market for you? Yeah, I'd probably say uh, historically we, we've we've dabbled with shelters, <laughs> incredibly lightweight um, and uh, fantastic for what they were designed for. Absolutely, this is a, a significant foray into you know what is a, a 
pretty congested category and there's lots of great products out there and, and true to form we, we never want to do anything the same as, as others and you go back to the drawing board um, our design team spent several several years on it and input from the owners um, and, and people that have experienced things it's um it's an exciting one to talk about it's one I guess we shouldn't dwell on too much because we have had unfortunately supply limitations and and just a quick one on that is that you know as a brand we we, we never want to compromise on on quality and and so when we developed a high quality product um we'd love to have more in the market but at the moment we won't be compromising um on quality and so we've got to wait a little while unfortunately for certain materials and components uh, to be available i must admit i noticed uh, looking on uh, a number of stores that had them in uh, that did have them in stock and even mm. even your uh, your website it's uh, pretty much saying everything's sold out and it's um i think it's it's not a bad bad way to go. It's better off than having them not selling at all. But it's it, it'd be nice to be able to have yeah. a few to sell. <laughs> We'd certainly want some more. So quickly on that, yeah. Look, there's there's another limited availability coming in July um, to to retailers near you, and um, it's going to be a bit of a drip feed as we can get them uh, throughout this year. Um, and I guess I'll I'll talk a little bit more on sort of where the industry's at um, a little later. I guess in our interview. Yeah, I think uh, one of the things that I, I haven't actually seen these new tents in the flesh, but certainly looking at the, the specifications and the images of them, you know, they're not necessarily they're they're a lightweight. Uh, not I wouldn't class them as necessarily as ultra light, but they're certainly a very lightweight tent. But I think the big plus with them is they're probably one of the most versatile tents on the market. And it's a word that we use a lot in a lot of our products. Um, you know, Australia, um, its seasonality is so varied as well, and we have so many places that you want to try and visit with varying different conditions and so having any product in your camping assortment that is versatile um, adds value really um, so yes you, you hit the nail on the head there and I think you know, certainly uh, from my perspective as I said without actually seeing them in the flesh you know just the, the ability to turn them into a, a fairly decent tarp to use use the components in varying ways um, and, and for a tent that you know is much lighter than than many that are on the market uh, is uh, I think they'll do really well, uh, and I think Absolutely. most of those most of the tents come in. Is it grey and green are the colour choices? Grey and green, I believe, but I won't speak out of turn there, so I'm not hundred percent sure. And, and I dare say as well, Tim, when we do have better stock, I'm sure I'm sure people will be able to get one to you as well. Um, for context, I've not used one either, so. There's a lot of people sat in our office that would like one that can't get one either. <laughs> well, it's good, and it's good to, good to see a a tent being produced by a local distributor. And and I'm assuming you are selling these worldwide. Is that the is that the, that the aim? Absolutely, yes, of course, uh, and plenty of so plenty of people here, plenty of people around the world that would like more. But um, it'll come. It'll uh, yeah, it's, it's exciting and a great product. Okay, now what else has what else has hit the market over the last year? And given given that the last year has been very difficult for everyone as far as production and and uh, uh, and getting things to market. Yeah, it's it's been keeping up with demand really. Um, I think it's no surprise to everyone that, um, and it's pleasing to see. You know, if people can't fly overseas and stay in hotels, that they're exploring their backyard, and you know, being an outdoor brand or and a distributor bringing products to that. Um, you know, consumer in that market, it's really exciting to see people realise um, how much is available to them on their own doorstep. So a lot of it's being able to, or scrambling to keep up with demand. Um, new product-wise, like I mentioned, the, the, the new Etherlite Extreme has, has been really well-received um, and our sleep systems in general um, have continued to grow. So um, one that I know you have seen, uh, Tim, we also launched this year an expanded quilt range offering. 
um, which is a growing segment of the sleep system. Um, it's something that, um, you know, we, we look at the data. We know a lot of people are interested in quilts. Uh, there's question marks about how to use them, when it's right to use them. Um, but we've introduced the, the Cinder and the Glow quilts this year. Um, and coming back to that versatility word again, we've introduced a quilt that it's great, it's lightweight, you know, it's comfortable, it's, it's you know, roomy to use like other quilts. But we've also introduced this year a quilt that uh, actually works and integrates with your existing sleeping bag. So you can now boost the temperature rating of your existing sleeping bag by using the quilt uh, quilt lock technology, um, using the quilt on top of your bag to give it an extra season's worth of warmth. I must admit, we um, we spent some time over Easter in uh, Western New South Wales, and I I, I would have dearly loved a quilt. Um, mm. The uh, it was a fairly hot at night time temperature, even though it was Easter. But uh, uh, yeah, I think the, the the big bonus with the quilts is you know it's it's much easier to throw it off and have have as little on it or as you want, as opposed to some sleeping bags which aren't always as versatile. Mm, absolutely. Um, okay, so. I mean, you talked about the quilts in general. I mean, you know, what's what's the what are the quilt sales looking like? Because I can think about probably even five years ago, ago quilts was something that you didn't see on the market. But they, mm. as you say, that um, you know, quilts seem to be becoming more and more common. Um, what is is it a, a noticeable increase? You know, is it five percent of the market, or where would you say quilt sales tends to sit from a, a an overall market sort of uh, share compared to say sleeping bags? Mm. So what's actually really exciting is um, you may have seen or people may have actually used themselves. We have a sleep system finder, so an online tool where if somebody's unsure about what might be right for them, um, they can go through a series of steps um, sort of saying male, female, you know, what sort of conditions they'd expect to use their sleep system in. Um, and at the end, it will recommend some products that we have in our range. Um, but along the way there, that data that we capture is fantastic, um, incredibly useful from a sort of marketing level, but really, really useful at a design level. So we've actually seen quite a big increase. And for people, you know, looking at sleeping bags, we actually now have 17% of people that are completing this, this um, finder looking for a quilt. It's, that's, it's, it's that's a fairly people, decent which is fantastic. Yeah, and I remember talking to someone two years ago and that figure was 12%. So you can see the growth there. And I, I think it comes from someone wanting to have the comfort that they have at home, you know, the freedom of movement, being able to move your legs around during the night or, you know, you know like you said a minute ago, like ventilate a little bit, you know, poke your leg out maybe, cool down during the night. Having that flexibility and that versatility um, when you're camping and that's where quilts um, really come into their own. Okay, that's good. And so you've got the, the Cinder and the Glow are the two main ones on the market at the moment? So we, we've had the Ember range for quite a while. This uses our high-quality 850-plus um, loft down um, with really ultralight fabrics. And for those, you know, gram counters out there, someone that wants the lightest weight, um, the Ember range we've had for a while has seen some small updates this year. And we've now introduced the Cinder. It uses 750-plus loft down. Um, really, really nice option, really a little more durable, slightly more water-repellent finish and a slightly sharper price, um, but still incredibly lightweight, and then a synthetic version, which is the Glow. So now we have sort of three options, our premium ultralight, um, a, a really nice technical 750 loft option, and, and a synthetic. Okay, that's good. So any other, any other new and exciting product that's come to the market over the last year? 
So for, for the last year, that, that's probably um, where we're at. We're, we're continually looking at updating colors, refreshing products. Um, some people, many people hopefully be familiar with the X series of, of collapsible kitchenware we have. Um, most people have bits and pieces in their packs. Uh, our X cups and mugs have been around for a long time. We've refreshed the, the colors of those. Actually, really brought it in line with the Australian Outback, which is quite a, a nice thing for us to call out. So some um, some nice colours coming through that range, but no other um, real product development as such, but a little bit more coming next year, which you can probably talk about. Okay, so that leads us on to product for the future. So what's what exciting things that you can talk about that we can expect to see mm-hmm. over the next 12 months or so? That, that we can talk about. I think yeah. we can talk about <laughs> most. You know, So this is the time of the year we, we'd usually be um, globally attending various trade shows and, um, you know, launching new products for next year. And, of course, that's when our retail partners get to see it and and they get to decide what they'd like to range. But it's also when, um, you know, media partners such as yourself also get to see it. So there's no real secrets and it's it's nice to be able to talk about it even if we don't have the trade shows. Um, So, listen, again, more developments from Cedar Summit, no major category inventions um, next year but but building upon the trends that we're seeing so having just spoken about quilts um, in our sleep systems for next year we're actually seeing um, already and immediately a a development on the quilts that we've launched this year so um, we're excited to to bring in an ultralight two-person quilt which um, we've had i've had retailers ask for last year and we we've had consumers ask for so that's going to be really exciting and it uh, weighs six 650 grams i think so if you consider splitting that between two for an ultralight um, summer adventure geez at at 325 grams per person that's um that's pretty good option for your uh, for your sleep system um so that's one um which is which is really good and, um, and then we've also expanded upon the cinder and glow that we were just talking about. So some slightly heavier options whereby they've just got more insulation in them. So once again, a quilt that's a little more versatile, something that goes beyond just summer use, something that you could use in sort of cooler shoulder seasons. I must admit, I mean, that, that's always the hard thing. When, you know, If you go camping uh, in exactly the same temperature range your entire your entire year it's easy just to have one one sleep system and mm-hmm. that's it uh, but I think for most of us you know sometimes it's cold sometimes it's hot and you mm-hmm. either you either have multiple bags or you uh, choose something that can be added to or mixed and matched or as you say you stick your leg out if you need to to cool yourself down mm-hmm. but it's it's not always the easiest option where you've just got one bag. And I think that that point there about you, you might have one or two bags. Um, you know, when it's when it's cold, um, really cold, nothing beats cinching down into it into a mummy sleeping bag. And the way we sort of look at it is that realistically, anybody that's looking to buy a quilt has probably got a sleeping bag as well for those colder conditions and colder trips they're going to go on. So let's make sure that they work together. Yeah. You know, like integrate them, get more use out of the products, that versatility that we keep coming back to. That's good. That's good. Uh, and I believe there's a new X cup that is come onto the market, or just Ooh. about to come onto the market. Yeah, so that one has just arrived, and I think I've just missed that one. So within the X series, yes, um, looking at how we can uh, adapt to the conditions. Once again, people are using products. Um, silicon is is a fantastic um, sort of heat protector, I guess, if you will, in terms of it's not um, not going to melt, but it does also um, transfer heat quite quite uh, quite well so for our x mug and x cup ranges historically um if you're pouring boiling water in there it's absolutely fine 
um, you, you had to hold the plastic rim at the top um, if it was a little too hot. We've included some ribbing on the, on the silicone on the outside, which a lot of work went into making sure it didn't impact the collapsibility of the cups, but it did impact the heat transfer and the fact that you've got these raised bumps around the cup, so you can still hold it even though it's got boiling water in it um, or a hot cup of tea, coffee, um, whatever your preference might be in the morning. And they're due to hit the market fairly soon by the sound of it? We, we, I think we had a small number, small number um, just recently and there'll be um, yeah, plenty more in the market in the next six months of this year, which is exciting. Okay, that's great. That's great. Okay, so I suppose this is a question I've asked other manufacturers and distributors we've been talking to is where, how have you seen the industry over the last year or so and where do you see it heading? Not just, mm. you know, is, do you see new materials? Do you see new ways of selling? Or do you see new trends that we haven't really thought about? Mm. I think... I mean, there's so many, there's so many questions and so many things that are, that are going on in our industry at the moment. It's it's quite a crazy time, but a, a really exciting time. Um, to answer one of your points there, in, in how people are selling and how people are buying, um, you know, there's no secret that globally, you know, powerhouses like Amazon, and Google, and these tech firms doing so well out of people now re- resorting to online that providing information to to people online is is growing uh, and critical. Um, I think that's really important. But as we just talked about, I think, before this interview, um, Tim, we're also selling products that are so tactile um, and so critical for people to try out. And so helping retailers have an experience in store, um, helping them, you know, service people better and, and being able to you know, provide them with the product and the tools so that um, people can still walk into retail stores and, you know, hey, is this sleeping mat comfortable? I can't tell that out online. I need to go and see it. That's that's not going to shift um, as drastically, I don't think, for our market. Well, we do need to ensure that it's, you know, products and brands are visible online. Um, retail is, is critical um, to, to future brand success, really. Okay. Um, and I suppose just to, to finish up on that, is there any last little thing you'd like to say either about your product or the industry in general? <laughs> I mean, again, I mean, we, we have a lot of these conversations internally. Where's the market going? Where, what are people doing? I think the final thing I can say is, is, is another exciting one and probably leads to some other sort of future development that um, with more people exploring their backyard, um, you know, you're seeing your products used in different ways. And that's really exciting for us. Um, we're a lightweight sort of well, producer, I should say, and designing uh, designing brand of lightweight product designed for for hiking, which is obviously a lot of your core core listening base, um, Tim. But we're also seeing a lot of people now starting to use this gear in a car camping setup. Um, you know, families of four that don't necessarily have the ability to to go for multi day hikes, but are putting putting gear in their car. And um, you know, so we've got some great self inflating mattresses in that space and. We're even going to have a, a comforter, an actual quilt designed for that market as well next year, which is exciting. So I don't think it's a shift. I think it's a different uh, customer base. Um, and uh, that's that's one that I know a lot of brands are looking at too. I suppose that's the thing really, isn't it? You know, you're either a, a, hike, a hiking camper or you're not. Um, but mm. car camping is a bit more versatile. You can, you know, you, you, you can drive somewhere, you can stay in a campground, you, you know, mm. you're close to toilets and showers and a barbecue, mm. and, but you still get the experience of being outdoors. 
Absolutely. And people are still interested in lightweight gear. You know, you, you, you can't just throw your mattress from home into the back of the car. So you still have to have something that's easy to use, it's comfortable, but, but packs down small. Okay, that's great. So we've been talking to Ross Smith from Cedar Summit Distri- uh, Distribution. Thanks very much for your time. Pleasure, Tim. Thanks a lot. In this next interview, we talked to Ben Wisner from One Planet. Hi, okay. Tim. How are you going? Good, good. Thanks, thanks for taking the time to talk with us. So, My pleasure. Just give us a bit of a we, – we did interview you a couple of years ago, but uh, it's been, been two years. So just provide a bit of background on what One Planet is uh, and then tell us what exciting things you've had released or coming up over the next, few, over the next year. Of course. Thank you very much. Um, one Planet is an outdoor brand. Uh, we're based down here in Melbourne, uh, and we, we make sort of four main areas of product, which are rucksacks, tents, uh, sleeping bags, uh, and apparel, which sort of includes rainwear, warmwear, uh, and gaiters. Probably the most unique thing about us uh, is that other than being an Australian brand, we still manufacture a lot of our equipment here, uh, and so our factory in Melbourne is always humming away, producing a lot of the goods, uh, which sort of sets us apart from the rest. Okay. And then, you know, now you did mention you're in Melbourne, so that means as we record this podcast, you, you're in lockdown, eh? We currently are, yes, in our second week of this uh, smaller lockdown. But I believe your uh, your factory is in an area, so they're still still manufacturing to a, a, a lesser extent. Yeah, this week the uh, factory is uh, basically on a, a reduced staffing level. So they're allowed to manufacture, which is fantastic. And we're obviously very, very fortunate in that way. Um, but yeah, reduced capacity for the staff members there. So a little bit slower than it would normally be. Okay. Now, before we actually go on to talking about the specific gear pieces, just give us an indication of how the next, the last sort of 12 to 15 months has gone, uh, given that the COVID situation that the whole of the country has gone through, how do you see that's impacted on you and on the Australian outdoor market? It's an excellent question, Tim. It's look one of those things where it was hard to predict, uh, as no doubt you've heard, and even today it's still hard to predict what, what will go on. Um, last year probably the, the biggest challenge that we faced was the series of lockdowns here in Melbourne uh, and some of the earlier ones before things were uh, all sorted out. We actually had to close our factory, um, which was more than 100 days we had to close. Uh, and with no manufacturing for 100 days, you can imagine how difficult that is. Uh, and we have a lot of customers across Australia and New Zealand. We could fortunately still dispatch a lot of goods, um, but by the time 100 days had passed, we, we didn't really have much left on the shelf to sell. And so we've been, since then, trying to, to catch up and produce the stock. But, uh, yeah, we're still waiting for that opportunity, waiting for that lull to uh, really, really get things going and build some stock levels in the factory there. Um, but the flip side of that is it's been quite busy um, and it's it's been positive. A lot of uh, people traveling local, uh, traveling within Australia, and it does seem that there's been a, a good uptake in bushwalking or daywalking and people really adventuring uh, in their local area and, and that can only be good for the industry overall i would say yeah it's it's been it's been interesting i think uh, i know from a personal perspective we did a lot of online shopping last year uh, and yes. uh, th- yep. things that we normally would have gone into a store to buy became online and we had a a, a, a package turning up from amazon almost on a weekly basis for a number of months 
um, just simply because we weren't going, being able to go to the shops and order and buy things. So, um, Yeah, and I think that's an important point. A lot of people uh, that I talk to have been really doing their research and uh, you know, in Melbourne especially, there's obviously been a lot of time people working from home and, and not commuting and perhaps spending that time doing their research online and and in that space, uh, we're getting a lot of really informed customers and a lot of people really delving into why this is a better product or what are the differences and, and really asking good good quality questions and, and being genuinely interested in, in different aspects of, of the outdoor industry. So I think that's been quite a positive thing for, for everyone. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be interesting. I know um, it, it surprised me. We, we had a period of time where we, we were lucky in uh, being based in Canberra where we were able to basically get out and about and go walking. We had no no restrictions that meant we physically had to stay at home. So we, we did get, did manage to do a lot of walking and um, uh, go do a lot of hikes. Uh, but I did get to a stage where I was doing things, some very short hikes and things I probably wouldn't have thought about doing just to get oh, the yeah. opportunity to get out and about. So uh, I think we, we did notice a lot of people out that, uh, that were more than we would normally expect to see. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't have to be the biggest adventure, the 10-day trip, you know, that's a, a very aspirational journey, but it's just as valuable as a, a short trip around on the weekend or a two-day adventure, you know, each to their own. They're all equally valid journeys, and I think it's good that people are just getting out there. All right. Okay, so uh, where do you – I suppose this is a bit of a crystal ball question here. Where do you see the industry going over the next year? you think uh, once we actually manage to get a bit more uh, – uh, normality back into the system? Do you think the everything will, uh, will will rocket along again, or how do you see things going? Uh, it's interesting. I think uh, if you if you take uh, living in Melbourne, we've got a good example. Uh, where it's like the post lockdown period is very busy. You know, as soon as people are allowed to go travelling again, there's quite a buzz. You know, and everyone really wants to get out there. So. I imagine there'll be something similar, uh, whereas, you know, as soon as New Zealand travel bubble opens up or if you talk to the guys down in Tasmania, it's just booming a lot down there and everyone's going to do all the nice walks and it'll be a quiet winter, I suspect. Uh, I hope the ski resorts open up, but then uh, I imagine next year yeah, or next summer will be quite a good period and there'll be uh, still a lot of travel going on and a lot of adventurers getting out there doing different things. So I look towards that quite positively, I think. Um, I think the on the flip side of that, like the manufacturing side, there will still be some challenges. Uh, there's going to be some supply chain issues uh, globally, you know, even just slow shipping because there's uh, not as many people out there shipping things around or priorities in different areas. And there's certainly going to be some products that you won't see available that you might have seen before. Um, but I think it will, it will take, you know, 12, 18 months to bounce back. But I suspect it will all go quite well. So given given that you were saying the factory was closed down for around about 100 days last year, uh, does yes. it mean you've pretty much cleared it, your, your, your warehouse out and you're, you're, you're making the same models or you've, you've shifted over to a new set of models as well? Uh, a bit of both. Like our range is quite extensive. Um, so we've got 
quite a range of tents, uh, which pretty much have all been sold. Uh, we do more than 100 different models of sleeping bags once you delve into each temperature, each size, uh, each rating. Um, and so a lot of those, we make those to order. So uh, they're all still coming through and they're very busy. And, and a lot of those are just having small updates. Um, we do a, quite an extensive range of backpacks and duffels and accessories and things like that, which we all make here in Melbourne. Um, and, and those... A lot are very consistent. Uh, we'll do some new colors um, in the new in the new year, um, but uh, we're also updating some products, and we've released a couple of new ones, and we're going to have some updates at the uh, outdoor retailer show this year uh, for sort of the next six months. Um, so a bit of both. There's some some old classics and some new and exciting things. All right, so that brings us on to the what's new and great. So what's what's new from One Planet uh, and, uh, that you've released over the last sort of six or eight months and what's new that you can talk about that's coming up? Yeah, great question. Um, there's sort of three new bags in a range that we're calling the, the practical lightweight range, which is sort of a day and a half uh, style backpack. Um, and those three bags are the Extrovert, which is a 55 litre, uh, it's about 1.3 kilos. Uh, the Tussock, which is a 60 litre, uh, 1.5 kilos, and a Canopy, which is 50 litres, uh, 1.4 kilos. So they're all that sort of one and a half kilo area, uh, and they're all, you know, that 50 litre, 50 to 60 litre capacity. And so they are sort of practical lightweight bags, and they're all using uh, a harness we call the Exact Fit Mid Harness, which is a properly framed harness. Uh, it's got some natural ventilation in there. Uh, it's designed up to carry weights up to around 20 kilos. So a Goldilocks area, I would say, is sort of 10 to 15. Um, and it's importantly got fits for both men and women, uh, which is obviously essential. And we're using a fabric which we call Diamond Lock. It's about a 210 denier nylon, uh, and it's got an ultra-high molecular polyethylene grid that runs through it, which gives it a little bit of extra structure and sort of acts as a bit of a, a ripstop uh, aspect to it. So those are our sort of practical lightweight bags. Um, and what we think is really important about that in the materials and the design, we're creating something that reduces the weight, uh, but not in the practicality. So you don't have to like worry about scraping it on some rocks or, or bumping it up against some tough eucalyptus regrowth, or, you know, if you haul it up a little rock ledge, like it's a lightweight bag that's, that's going to be able to take the bumps and scrapes of everyday walking. Uh, and in the fit and the carry, it's practical because of the harness. The, the system that we use, the Exact Fit Mid, uh, it's genuinely comfortable and it, it's got options to fit all different body shapes and sizes. Uh, and in Australia, as, as you would know, Tim, you're probably going to carry two or three litres of water every day. Yeah. And so uh, you're going to put a, maybe a bit more weight in your bag than uh, you would think when you're just looking at your base weights. Uh, and, and we think that a lot of manufacturers reduce their, their overall weight of the bag by cutting a lot out of the harness, which is not really something that we're about. Um, we really think that the comfortable harness is probably one of the most important aspects of, of your journey overall. Um, so hence the name, Practical Lightweight, and, and that's where we're sort of coming at. But you look at some of these bags, like the Extrovert, for example, at 55 litres and 1.3 kilos, it's a, a nice tidy little uh, bag that you can take on a, a weekender or something like that and it'd be very comfortable for you and you know, 55 litres, quite enough capacity for the weekend. So, yeah, we're pretty excited about these bags. We've, we've been selling them for maybe six months. Um, but as I said, we've been manufacturing them here in Melbourne and selling them and, and they're around, around in all the capital cities. You'll see them at lots of the major stores there. Um, and, yeah, they've been going really well for us and we're excited. 
Okay. At the ORA show, we were going to bring some of those materials across to our larger capacity bags as well. Um, so it was sort of an update to a bag we called the WBA and another one we called the Tulangi. Uh, so, yeah, it's sort of really spinning off and going quite well for us. Okay. So, I mean, it's it's the sort of thing that um, you know, those, those sort of packs sound a reasonably good weight for the capacity of them. So uh, yeah, know, by, the, by the sound of it, I think they should do quite well. Um, all right. So, any other? Yeah, any other? They're really designed for the the average bushwalker. You know, somebody that wants to reduce a little a bit of their base weight, but still maintain that comfort. Uh, perhaps they're going from the larger bag down to something that is a little bit smaller, as their sleeping bag and their mats and everything else comes down to be a bit smaller and lighter. They need the backpack. Uh, that goes with it. And so I'm pretty stoked to be able to make these bags in Melbourne and have them, you know, very competitive on the weights and the comfort side uh, for any imported brand. So it's really good to be able to have a local option. All right. Now you were talking about another bag, which is probably the opposite extreme, mainly by the sound of it, meant for uh, people that work within the industry. Yeah, we uh, we've worked a lot last year in the lockdown uh, on some new des- designs and some new ideas. And, and one thing we noticed was, there's quite a gap in the market for the professional side of the industry, as you mentioned, uh, the people that might be photographers or guides, those that are carrying like pretty heavy loads uh, or uniquely large loads, um, maybe around a 25 to 35 kilos and, and beyond. Uh, so we've uh, released a bag called the BFG. It's the Big Friendly Giant, and it uses a, a, a harness redesign. It's based on our exact fit harness, which is sort of the classic go-to bushwalking harness that we've had for 40 years. Uh, but it's an improved uh, design that's for the heavier load, so it uses slightly thicker foam. One thing we notice when people do carry those more extreme weights, the, the foams and the harness tends to distort around their body, and it doesn't provide them that healthy that healthy carry and uh, so we worked on that uh, and the bfg was uh, the fruit of all that labor so moving away from packs anything else within the um, the sleeping bag or the shoulder range or you, you've pretty much said uh, as it has been and sort of just making in the same models yeah in the sleeping bag range uh, i mean we've got sort of eight classic models uh, and within them they come in various temperature ratings they're all independently tested uh, to the iso rating uh, which is good so there's options for men and women there um, and we're doing some new things like bringing out some extra options in smaller sizes and uh, different things like that uh, we're working on our uh, quilt system as well and one of the great things that we love about that is all our sleeping bags integrate with the quilts so you can you know purchase a say a negative five sleeping bag and then if you wanted to use it in the winter time you could also get a quilt and then you could use that quilt as a booster for the sleeping bag and create sort of a system that allows you to have multiple uh, different options depending on your walk so that's sort of kind coming through the whole range. Um, but there's a lot of uh, classics there that are going really well. This uh, this winter, we'll be doing the Bush Light sleeping bag, which is probably our most popular winter or, or deep snow backcountry style bag. Uh, and that will be coming in a small, so that will suit uh, women and young people really, really well. And uh, that's going to be an exciting little update for us there. All right. So one thing I have noticed is the uh, the discussion on quilts and the the range of quilts that's coming out from various manufacturers. So from your perspective, are quilts becoming more more popular and more common in Australia? Yeah, I would say that well, for us, definitely. I mean, three or four years ago, we didn't sell many quilts at all, and these days we sell quite a lot more. 
Um, they are a good option for your sort of three season or two season, uh, maybe some of the warmer climates. Uh, I still think the sleeping bag is is truly the most popular op- option um, and definitely the best option if you're going to go into some colder temperatures for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So we've been talking with Ben Weisner from One Planet. Ben, thanks very much for your time. Tim, thank you very much. Okay, so this year we managed to talk to four equipment suppliers and manufacturers, and usually uh, over the past few years we've released uh, two uh, podcasts uh, covering sort of seven or eight or, or more interviews. And I must admit, I had booked my accommodation, I had booked my flights, and the Victorian lockdown in 2021 hit, uh, and I was scrambling to cancel everything and reschedule everything. So the outdoor retailer show, which was supposed to occur um, in earlier this winter, uh, didn't end up happening. And as mentioned, I ended up having to do phone interviews, which is what we did last year as well. I think um, there, from my perspective, there were some common themes in talking to the manufacturers uh, about what's going on in the industry, and I'll talk about that first. The companies that are doing the right thing are surviving and, in fact, thriving. Uh, they have been impacted by uh, manufacturing issues. You know, when when you can't have the full number of people. Uh, in your factories uh, producing goods, it makes it really hard to keep up with supply. Uh, and also when you can't get access to the materials. So a number of uh, the people we interviewed t- talked about supply chain challenges. Um, so that's an interesting one that we don't often think about. Um, so I think for me the the interesting thing was that while this was a time in the last 12 months of – uh, disruption and, uh, you know, it wasn't business as usual, um, they, they all really used the time well, if I can say that. They, they were thinking ahead and they were looking at designs and uh, thinking about what's next and so on. And I think, you know, that's um, a, a really great kind of sense of positivity that that's in the sector. One of the other impacts that this is going to have on us as outdoor enthusiasts and hikers is typically there tends to be a cycle of when gear is released. Uh, You can always uh, time it, if you like, in relation to the North American hiking season. You you know, normally after Christmas, uh, all the older range of gear has been sold out then the new range of gear comes in after Christmas. I think that's a bit out the window now. Yeah, it's definitely (laughs) out the window. And, and, you know, the conversation I had with a number of of manufacturers and importers was that basically – there's nothing left sitting in the warehouse or there was nothing left to sitting in the warehouse in a lot of cases. So there is no old gear to get rid of in a lot of cases because it's already gone. Um, so I think it'll be interesting. I think the uh, the sales pattern will be slightly different over the coming months. Uh, and I've noticed that even at the moment, normally June has some huge sales uh, and this year it hasn't been as big. Simply was the gear just hasn't been there to, to shift. I think there were... You know, good sales on some items, but uh, n- not to the extent in uh, terms of the range of product um, that there normally is. Um, one of the things, one of the comments that was made was that some 
uh, of the new products that are being released in the market will often come out at the beginning of the calendar year. Uh, and there are going to be some instances where this new product will hit even before Christmas, which is not typical. Uh, and that means that you know, we'll get the, the newest and the latest and the greatest, albeit in reduced numbers. Now let's talk about gear specifically. And again, this sort of repeats the pattern of what we've just talked about. So as an example, uh, Cedar Summit uh, in over the last uh, six to eight months have released a new range of tents. Uh, they've, ne- they've, they've always been producers of shelters, but this is the first time they've really gone into the tent market. And from my perspective, they are not the lightest or ultra-lightest tent on the market, and they're not aiming to be. But in all honesty, they probably are going to be sold, and they are being sold as probably the most versatile. Um, if you will have the links on the show notes to this and the other product we've talked about through the episode, and if you go through and have a look at these tents, you can pretty much do th- things with this, 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 these models that you just wouldn't have thought about with a lot, of, a number of other tents. The configuration with the fly to turn them into virtually tarps. Um, you know, the, the configuration of how you do things, the fact that the bags that the tent and the materials are packed in actually form part of the tent itself. So instead of having gear pockets, the gear pockets are actually the bags that they come packed in. Yeah, that's great. That's um, so smart, isn't it? Yeah, and it, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a good thing, I suppose, that you just can't get them at the moment uh, because of the supply chain, because of the popularity. And Cedar Summit are, are, are a bit... Uh, rare in, in a lot of cases that they are a world, they're an Australian company, but they're a worldwide distributor. They ship into the US, they ship into Europe, they're Australia and Asia. So they're not just trying to deal with the Australian market, they're trying to deal with the worldwide market. So I think you know those range of tents uh, will be in a bit short supply uh, in the coming sort of four to six months. Uh, and if you are looking at them, don't think too long because you, know, you come back a day later and they're likely to be sold. So I think it's going to be a number of months bef- before this and other product we've talked about is available in good supply. Um, the other... Moving on to Wilderness Wear, uh, Wilderness Wear, again, an Australian supplier of, of outdoor apparel, uh, mainly merino-based, but also polypropylene and a hybrid-based. Uh, and we've been big fans of Wilderness Wear, and um, most of our mid-layers and underlayers are, are Wilderness Wear. Uh, they don't produce hiking pants, but certainly the tops and the socks uh, are favourites of ours. So, um, you know, and they do produce good range of colours. Although John was saying that, um, from his perspective, they are starting to cut back on some of the range and limit the range of colours. It's a bit hard when you've got such a huge range. Uh, you, you, it's it's nice to supply the the choice, but you know, there's only there's only so much you can carry. I loved it how he was having a bit of a go at the the whinge we were having about lack of colour, and he'd counted up all the you know, the various colours and the 29 uh, and the 29 coloured socks that they've got in a particular range. So that is fabulous and uh, obviously thinking um, about the local market. The other thing about wilderness wear is um, the sustainability of their product, uh, the ethical uh, tracing uh, that they have in place. Uh, They know where all their 
uh, materials come from and they can trace them back to the beginning, which is, you know, really great and really important. Um, and as he, John was saying, you know, we're out enjoying the outdoors. We also want to safeguard and uh, conserve the outdoors as well. So I think that's one of the things that out of everybody that we've talked to really stood out from me for me that they're really focusing on those sustainability aspects and uh, minimising the impact that they're having in the production of them their gear. And I must admit, this this is a common theme that a lot of other manufacturers and suppliers are doing. And certainly, um, my, uh, the, the the rest of the interviews that we did uh, on this podcast, they're all doing something from an environment perspective. Uh, I think this wilderness wear have just taken it to that next level. And they're Absolutely. Probably, they're probably the leaders yeah. in that area at the moment. There's only so much you can do in producing colours of socks and patterns and things like that. Uh, and I think the focus on the outdoor industry is in producing more environmentally friendly gear. Yeah, and I love, um, you know, those manufacturers who they're taking materials that have been pre-used, uh, post-consumer materials, uh, recycling them and using them in their, their outdoor products. And this this does tend to be a common theme, particularly with packs. I think a lot of pack manufacturers are now using materials that had a previous life and have been remanufactured. Uh, they're not using old gear necessarily; it's using new gear that's had it been re remanufactured. Uh, so rather than just ending up in a landfill, which is which is good to see. Uh, Osprey, uh, who uh, again they they're probably best known for their packs and pretty much what they do. They also produce bags as well, but certainly the packs is probably their main range. Uh, and we we both own a number of Osprey packs. Um, probably too many for probably, yeah, you. <laughs> yeah, I think so. And we we will be testing a number of new packs coming up in the next few months. Um, but the the thing that I, I do like about the the Osprey packs, I have a particular fondness for their style of uh, back frame, uh, and it's purely a personal thing. There are a lot of good uh, pack manufacturers on the markets. Uh, it's this one that I particularly like. Um, and again, this carries across their whole range. Uh, they pretty much do a size that will suit everybody. Um, uh, my my issue is, I suppose, that uh, I'm spoiled for choice, uh, and um, I'm finding that I'll, I'll be getting a new uh, day pack, um, uh, because my day pack is is good. There's nothing wrong with it. Uh, I just wanted something smaller for most of my hikes that I do. Uh, so I've, I've got the luxury of being able to pick a particular pack to suit the style of hiking that, uh, uh, that I'm doing at the time. And that was the other interesting thing, I guess, the, the breadth of the range across um, uh, the pack suppliers um, you can go from very, very small to very, very large, um, basically to suit whatever it is that you're into, to suit whatever it is that you're planning to do. Okay, now that brings us on to One Planet. Now, One Planet are an Australian company. Uh, they manufacture pretty much everything in Australia, uh, and they're known for packs, sleeping bags, and shelters. Um, and again, they they mentioned they had the same problem that pretty much everyone else did, that 
They were based in Victoria. They had to shut their factory for 100 days. Uh, and Ben was actually saying pretty much their warehouse was was bare by the time that was over. Uh, but what that means is that, you know, they, they, they're back up and going again. They are struggling to meet demand like everybody else, um, which is a good problem to have. Um, but it means that, yeah, for after new product on the market, um, you're not going to have uh, the massive sales coming through uh, and the massive choice that you necessarily would have had over previous years. Well, I think it says for me that you need to, you know, work out what you want and keep an eye on it and grab it when you can. So Ben's uh, main discussion was in relation to new packs that they'd gone through and released, and they've produced a range of lighter weight packs. I think they've always been known for their heavy-duty packs, uh, but they've produced a lighter range of packs in that sort of 50 to 60 litre range, which is, a, as Ben mentioned, was a, a Goldilocks sort of uh, sizing and you know, and all, up, all under that 1.5 kilo weight, uh, weight position. So um, it's a good option for people for looking for that mid-size pack uh, in that, um, that good size weight category as well. Uh, and, that, and then we go to the opposite extreme where we've got their pack, which is called BFG or Big Friendly Giant. Uh, and that ranges from around about 100, 100 litres to about 110 litres. Uh, and these are really packs that are aimed at guides that work in the industry. Um, it's a big pack, it, isn't it? It is. If you ever go on a guided trip, the Overland track or something like that, have a look at the pack that the, the guides carry because they've got to carry things like satellite phones. They've got to carry uh, – quite often they're carrying food for everybody, uh, or if not not all of it, but they're carrying a good chunk mm-hmm. of it. They're carrying first aid gear. They're carrying their own equipment. So, you know – Everyone go- else is wandering along with a little day pack. You know? <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, it's the thing. I mean, you, know, you, don't, you don't see 60-year-old guides these days. They all tend to be in their 20s and you know, 20s somewhere. They're, they're super strong and super fit and can cope with it really well. Well, uh, but they need to be to be able to carry these sort of packs. Uh, but yeah, the, these packs are being produced to carry decent weights. Uh, and uh, you know, if you're a a guide, if you're someone who just carries lots of bulk, it doesn't necessarily have to be heavy. But sometimes you might just be carrying bulky sort of uh, uh, of product. Um, or, or if you're in a, a photographer carrying lots of gear, um, you know you've got to have something that matches what you're carrying. So. There is a, a pack for everybody, uh, and they certainly cater for that. Just to finish off, as I said, my, my comment here is that the pattern has repeated itself over the last couple of years, that the, the, the focus is heading towards more environmentally friendly. Uh, there's not as much new product coming onto the market that typically does, but I think the, the manufacturers and suppliers are, are waiting to get back to some sort of semblance of normality uh, and then they'll see what people are, are doing and producing. They, It's a good problem to have, but they're just struggling to keep up. So they're, they're, they're producing what they know rather than trying to bring new stuff uh, to the market. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm, I, you know, I probably would disagree with that. They are doing some really interesting and innovative things. And I think the, you know, as I was listening, I thought, you know, you have to look really closely to really understand what they're doing. So the styling might look the same, the colouring might look the same, um, but how it's been uh, put together, the materials that are being used, the way it's being packaged, all of that is is very different. And I think, you know, 
um, my my suggestion would be for people to look at the detail, you know, to to look at the fine print, to really understand um, the changes that have happened. Because I don't think they're macro. I think they're very they're very micro. They're very um, impactful. Um, but micro in the sense that the average person w- would have to look quite closely to be able to see and understand. That's true. I, th- I, I do agree with that. It's it's the, they're not big obvious changes, but they're they're small and they're not necessarily noticeable, but they they do make a difference. Yeah, uh, they're impactful changes. I think. Okay, so that's all for this episode and our discussions with manufacturers and suppliers of equipment on the Australian market. Um, I am hoping that next year things will be back <laughs> back to normal again. I think I think get by, vaccinated. Yeah, I think by that stage that everybody should have been vaccinated. That's going to be, uh, and we'll have a bit more of a normal sort of lifestyle. So uh, we'll be back to visiting Melbourne in most cases, uh, talking to manufacturers and suppliers, and getting to handle gear. So we're looking forward to that. Okay, that's all for this episode. We hope you've enjoyed. Bye for now. And bye from me.